Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The St. Louis Cardinals have signed shortstop Brandon Crawford. What does this mean for the team? And spring training is well on the way. There are a couple prospects that are performing very well, and we'll talk about that. All of that and much, much more on this episode of the Believe in St. Louis Cardinals podcast. So while the Crosstown Rivals are signing Cody Bellinger to a $30 million a year contract with three years total, only one of those is guaranteed. It's basically a one-year deal. The St. Louis Cardinals have countered by signing Brandon Crawford, a shortstop. And and, and this does do some things for the Cardinals, but you're going to find out why I think this is kind of a head-scratching move, much in the same way that I thought. The Matt Carpenter thing was a head-scratching move, assuming that it wasn't done because there's terrible leadership in the clubhouse, and I don't necessarily want to go back down that road again. But Brandon Crawford does play shortstop. You have a, a young prospect, a young shortstop, slated to start opening day in Mason Wynn, who's looking incredible at spring training, by the way. So that there's some insurance there. There's some leadership. There's... That that's a good thing signing Brandon Crawford to what is a one, a one year two million dollar deal. I think that's good having that experience. I mean, he's been an all star. He's a three time all star. He's played in big games. He's I believe a two time World Series champion. All of that's really good. But the thing is with Brandon Crawford, it's the very it's very much along the same line as the Matt Carpenter situation. Is this guy hasn't been good for a couple of years now? In twenty in twenty twenty two, he hit two thirty one in in just over four hundred at bats, four hundred seven at bats, hit nine home runs, fifty two RBIs, and had an OPS plus that was below average. When the year before he had an OPS plus of one forty one and and was an all star at age thirty four. So the Giants bring him back for another year, and the bottom just falls out. He he doesn't even. Uh, go to have 300 at bats. He had 283 at bats. He hit under 200 and played below average defense, according to many metrics. So bringing him in, it, it, I think it would have been fine if he didn't bring in Matt Carpenter. I'm not sure what both members of this team are doing here. I suppose he's an upgrade over Buddy Kennedy, who the Cardinals DFA'd, and uh, Buddy Kennedy ended up uh, the t- Detroit Tigers ended up claiming him, him off waivers. So I suppose it's an upgrade in that sense of the word, but this is another move. Cause so, so now you're looking at the Cardinals bench, Ivan Herrera, who's the backup catcher, Matt Carpenter, who can play first and second and DH for you, Brennan Crawford, who can play shortstop and probably second if need be. And then Dylan Carlson is your outfielder. And then, it makes it weird with Alec Burleson and players like that. I would assume Dylan Carlson is the one guy who's going to be that outfielder coming off the bench. But also, Brandon Crawford's 37 years old. Matt Carpenter's 38 years old. And and it's it, to me, it, I don't know why it was necessary. I guess I guess it's short. They needed a shortstop. Uh, but but there was Nick Ahmed out there who actually plays good defense still, or at least serviceable defense. We'll see how good Brendan Crawford is defensively this year, but it's it's odd to me. It's just odd 
that the Cardinals are hyperbolically focused on these older veterans and, and, and citing the reasons for being interested in these veterans, at least Matt Carpenter is, oh, we need leadership in the clubhouse. And, and again, I don't necessarily want to go down that road in this episode. We've talked about it at nauseum. But if Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato still need uh, people to help them out with leadership, when when Paul Goldschmidt is a Hall of Famer, I mean, he'll be a Hall of Famer right now, I think, if if he is his career ended. Let me know if you agree in the comments. Nolan Arnato's on that on that path for sure. You need help with leadership. Like, why? Why do you? Why do you need to help with leadership if you're Hall of Fame caliber players with a legacy that's already cemented in the league? Really, the only thing Paul Goldschmidt hasn't done is won a World Series and Nolan Arenado, same deal. They should be chasing the World Series. They should have every motivation to play the best possible baseball they can play in St. Louis. It's one of the reasons why Nolan Arenado's here. So why do we need Matt Carpenter? Why do we need Brendan Crawford? Now, if you're telling me that Brandon Crawford's here to help mentor Mason win, then th- I, I suppose that's a good thing. But according to many sources, uh, Mason Wynn is a very self-motivated player, young man. And so it, it's it, that can't hurt. I'm not saying that that is going to be a bad thing for Mason Wynn, but Brandon Crawford, it's not like these guys are going to play a ton and they're taking up two major league roster spots. You have Thomas Sajesi and Victor Scott down there right now Victor Scott by all accounts is looking really good in spring training and he looks like one of the more more exciting players I've seen and we'll talk more about Victor Scott a little bit later but this is a head scratcher to me I'm not sure why the Cardinals are so focused on signing these 37 38 year year old players like Matt Carpenter and Brennan Crawford one of them made sense on this team there's no doubt about it one of them made sense you could have talked me into Matt Carpenter being a mentor for Mason Wynn and Jordan Walker and some of those younger players. That makes sense. But both of them in a vacuum, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, especially when Brennan Crawford, again, defensively is not what he once was. He's a 37-year-old player, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But again, it's it's a signing that's on the surface. You're like, oh my God, Brennan Crawford is coming to St. Louis. He used to be a stub with with the Giants. And who knows, maybe he can reclaim some of his former glory. We'll see. But I'm very skeptical. I'm very skeptical of this. Another thing, going back to the Cody Bellinger contract, so we know these Scott Boris clients uh, you know, are still sitting out there. Jordan Montgomery being one of them, being a former Cardinal, Blake Snell, and the third baseman, Matt Chapman, among the more popular names that still have yet to be signed. So, it begs the question, if if there is a deal on the table where it's a, a Cody Bellinger-esque type deal where the Cardinals could sign a Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery to a one-year two, one year deal essentially with a couple of options in there for $25, $30 million, essentially the same thing as uh, the Cody Bellinger contract, is that something that they should be interested in? And Derek Gould spoke to this specifically talking about Jordan Montgomery. Uh, and and what he said was, and, and I quote, I feel safe in saying that there are multiple teams, or many teams rather, well, multiple teams who would be interested in Montgomery if his price dropped, he said. If he dropped to a spot where the Cardinals could no longer ignore his availability and, and enter the chat, 
well, then they'd be competing with other teams trying to convince him to sign and either up goes the price or he'd have to want to be a Cardinal. It hurts Montgomery's market, apparently, that one of the teams that sure makes sense for him has not been spending much at all and remains in limbo for the TV rights issue. That really seems to have shifted his market from my vantage point. So that's coming straight from uh, Derek Gould. And uh, there's another report out there that I that that I'll mention that's saying that Jordan Montgomery's not even if this deal was out there, even if Jordan Montgomery would accept a Cody Bellinger esque type deal that he's not interested in coming to the Cardinals. I don't know if that's true or not, but the, if you're asking me if the Cardinals if the price drops to a point where you can get a deal like the Cubs did because that's a phenomenal deal because we were talking about it not too long ago the rumors were out there and not they I mean these aren't these rumors get generated for a reason that Cody Bellinger was seeking 200 million dollars in total for a contract from the Chicago Cubs and and what ended up happening is the Chicago Cubs were the team that needed them but they were really the only team at the table according to some some very prominent people and so that's why the Cubs we're able to get him on a one-year deal, essentially. And and you know what? If Cody Bellinger has a good year this year, he can test free agency again next year. Or if he doesn't have a good year, it kind of protects him uh, a little bit. So he's got some flexibility within that contract. And also, it doesn't hang up the Cubs for multiple years on end. But the Cubs desperately needed that left-handed bat, and they ended up getting it with Cody Bellinger. I still think... and. With, with the weirdness going on with Steven Matz, we, we aren't hearing up much as of yet. And this is February 29th when I'm recording this about Steven Matz in spring training. Um, to my knowledge, he hasn't pitched yet. I'm not seeing official stats for him uh, on, the, on the website or on the MLB St. Louis Cardinals spring training stats website. So I, I don't think we've seen him pitch as of yet. But somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. It's really tough to watch some of these spring training games. It's it's hard to find the feed for whatever reason. It's very bizarre to me. I don't know why Major League Baseball wouldn't want people to watch spring training games. But I guess this is the same Major League Baseball that has a ton of blackouts uh, during in, in, in places where it, it doesn't make sense for there to be any blackouts. So who knows uh, what's going on. But yeah, there there is no stats that I can see that Steven Matz has pitched yet in spring training. And it's not the end of the world. They're, the Cardinals are on record that they're bringing him along slowly but surely this year, worried, of course, that he he needs to be healthy for the full season. And that's the primary concern with Steven Matz. And your your rotation is really old. I mean, I'm, it's it's no, no shocker to anybody. So the Cardinals should absolutely, if the option is on the table, for a left-handed starter, they have four, currently four right-handed starters and Steven Matz. So potentially, you know, Steven Matz gets hit, hurt again. They may be without a left-handed starter in the rotation, potentially, depending on what they want to do. Now, Matthew Libertor is a left-handed pitcher. So that could that could also fix th that issue in the rotation dealing with all righties. Even, if, even though, in, in my opinion, I think it's best to have five guys who are really good as opposed to like worrying about whether they're left-handed or right-handed uh, pitchers. I suppose it matters more in the playoffs during a short game series, but I digress. The The point of the matter is that the Cardinals should absolutely be interested 
in a Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery if they're willing to come down on the price tag. But the problem is, you know, I, I just don't I just don't see the Cardinals making a move like that, unfortunately, because it just like this. This is the difference between the St. Louis market and the Chicago market. Right. And, and if you look at the payrolls, I, th I think it's fascinating um, when you look at the total payroll for each team post Cody Bellinger contract, according to spot tracks, the, you know, the teams with the most payroll, the Cardinals, I will say the Cardinals are in the top 10, barely they're number 10 and all these teams. I mean, when we're talking about the New York Yankees who lead the MLB in total payroll, the Mets are number two. So both New York markets are one, two Houston, number three, Philadelphia Phillies, number four, Toronto Blue Jays, number five, Atlanta Braves, number six, Texas Rangers, seven Dodgers surprisingly are at number eight. I'm assuming that has to do with the, the, the way that Shohei Otani contract is structured. And then here come the Cubs at number nine. And I think it's fascinating that the Cubs and Cardinals are nine and 10 in total payroll, but the Cubs 2024 total payroll. Now their 26 man payroll is, you know, is high, but it's not as high as this, but their total payroll. This means that all the players that they're paying, what that what that totals to is 215 million 480,000. Now, the Cardinals are right behind them at number 10, and the Cardinals are paying 162 million 301,667 dollars. That's a huge difference and that's a huge drop off from number 9 to number 10. The the Cubs are spending 50 million dollars more than the St. Louis Cardinals are. And when you look historically and we did this on another show, the Cardinals really in the last, you know, 5 or 6 7 years haven't really gone above the 160 170 mark. They've always kind of hovered around that mark. And you wonder if there's going to be a time, if there's going to be a day, if there's going to be a year where they would push towards 200, where they would increase their payroll, increase their spending by a significant margin, not this, oh, we're going to increase payroll, guys, don't worry, and then you increase payroll by a million or two. No, significantly increase the payroll by 20 million, 30 million, 40 million to get up close to that $200 million mark. And according to like, it depends where you look. I'm looking at spot tracks right now. This is what, this is the, the numbers I'm looking at, at, at spot tracks. So it could be different. The official numbers are always changing depending on the moves that are made. It's very complex. I don't consider myself a contract expert by any means. I'd be making a lot more money. Trust me. If I was a, a negotiating contracts and a legal expert in, in for major league baseball, I would be making a lot more money. Trust me. But it just, if, if there was a year, I mean, this is the Cardinals year to turn things around. This is a huge year for them. It's a huge year for Ali Marmol. It's a huge year for John Moselock. Paul Goldschmidt is an impending free agent. They're going to have to make a decision on him. They have a lot of veterans. They've signed a lot of older players. I mentioned this on another episode on the last episode that this is the Cardinals version of going all in, signing all these veterans, signing three pitchers. They they did exactly what they promised to do. They signed three pitchers, Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson, two plug holes in that starting rotation. Those are temporary solutions. The Cardinals really are banking on these young guys, Tink Hens, Gordon Graceffo, Tacoa Roe, B. Sim Roversy maybe, 
developing and becoming major league caliber starting pitchers. Or if this year does not go well, it's the perfect opportunity to reset and start to get youth plugged back into the system. The Cardinals have outstanding position players, youthful position players in Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Victor Scott is on the way. Ivan Herrera is 23 years old. And I, I strongly suspect, and I, this, I, I love the fact that Wilson Contreras is here, but I wonder if Ivan Herrera caught them off guard because he is playing, he played very well at, at the minor league level and he's playing very well uh, as, with every opportunity that, that he's gotten. And we haven't come along very well, very uh, far in spring training yet. But Ivan Herrera, seven at bats, two hits. So again, only seven at bats so far in the, in spring. But he's getting some time, right? And he's been very impressive. And he's only 23 years old. So the Cardinals have these guys, and that's not to mention Lars Newtbar, Brendan Donovan. You know, some younger players. Brendan Donovan's 27 years old. But they've got some position players, even if they decided to move on from Paul Goldschmidt, you know, if they decided to trade Nolan Arenado and just clear the books, God forbid that they have another year like they did last year, which I don't see happening, by the way. This it could be an opportunity to reset. But as it currently stands, the Cardinals, you can't deny, have plugged a lot of holes with temporary veteran solutions. So it's going to be interesting to see how they can sort of recuperate and regain uh, the, the starting pitching in the minor leagues and develop developing their own talent down there while still keeping the major league squad competitive. So my overall point is that, yes, the Cardinals should definitely be interested in signing a Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery or one of these starting pitchers because you cannot you cannot depend on you know Stephen Matt staying healthy as as much as that was one of my bold predictions and and I think I think it has a, a potential for coming true because I think honestly out of all the pitchers Stephen Matt's probably has the highest upside out of out of Lance Lynn Miles Michaelis and um, Kyle Gibson he probably has the most upside but but we haven't you know we haven't seen it come to full fruition yet. And we're all hoping for it. We, we're all hoping for Steven Matz staying healthy. But I just don't know if you can depend on it. So if you see an upgrade out there, even if it's going to cost you 25 or $30 million for this season, I think that's a move that they should make. Now, are, are they going to make it? I don't think they're going to. Um, so it, uh, this whole conversation could be just a moot point. But again, I think that's something that they should consider. We'll see if what happens with those players and it, it would be a real shame to see, you know, one one of those pitchers sign with the Cubs, even though that would put four left-handed left-handed pitchers in their rotation, which would be interesting. And again, who knows if that even matters? But it's just something to to know about that situation. Uh, to to end the to end the episode, we'll give you about we'll give you some players that have been tearing it up in spring training, some players to to keep an eye on. The first player that we'll talk about is Coop. Cooper Herpe, uh, H-J-E-R-P-E. He has pitched two innings though thus far, four strikeouts in those two innings, and he's got like a nice kind of submarine-ish delivery and is is looking really good. Ryan Helsley has, has looked good. Two innings pitched, three strikeouts, only walked one batter, only given up one hit. Tink Hentz 
did walk three batters, but struck out four batters in two innings. Um, so Tink Hentz pitching decently well. Again, the walks, uh, something to keep an eye on. Nolan Arnado off to a good start in spring, four for nine, uh, a double or two doubles, actually, a run scored. He has struck out twice. Alec Burleson in eight at bats. He has four hits. So Alec Burleson is off to a to a good start in spring. And Mike Kaperniak, you know, everybody knows who Mike Kaperniak is. He has seven at bats, four hits, a double, a double, and three RBIs. So of course, uh the old Matt Kaperniak uh in spring training. Um and Victor Scott. Victor Scott, he's only got one hit in nine at bats, but he looks like a very exciting player for the Cardinals. And Victor Scott is somebody you definitely need to keep an eye on. He's probably not going to start the, the season with, with the big club. Tommy Edmond, it looks like Tommy Edmond's probably not going to be healthy. We'll see. The Cardinals are being super vague about that. But my guess is that Dylan Carlson would be your opening day center fielder if Tommy Edmond can't go. And then Alec Burleson would be brought up. That would be my guess as of right now, but there's no doubt that Victor Scott, we've been saying it on this channel throughout the offseason. Victor Scott, Victor Scott, Victor Scott looks to be one like looks to be the player that is very exciting and that could be could come up this year and make an impact probably towards the end of the season. If if things if if he's needed or if an injury happens, that could definitely be a possibility. Or I mean, he, it's possible that he forces the Cardinals hand. And if he's playing, like if Dylan Carlson is not playing well, if Alec Burleson is not playing well, then maybe it's Victor Scott who gets that opportunity. He's 23 years old. And again, he's got a lot of the traits that you like to see that, you know, John Denton said he's got potential superstar traits with his speed, his, you know, his fielding ability. And of course, He's developing at the plate as well, and he hit really well in the minors last year. But again, he's still just 23 years old. And and, and, I, and I reiterate, the Cardinals' young core of players, Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, Ivan Herrera, Victor Scott, these guys are about as – and I'll throw Nolan Gorman in there because he's still just 23 years old. These guys are about as exciting of a young core that I can remember the Cardinals having, and it's going to be so fun to watch them play this year. So, again – Spring training, it's pitchers and catchers reporting. Those are those are some of the greatest words to string together. And soon, very soon, we will have Cardinals baseball, regular season baseball on our television. So don't forget to hit the like the like button, subscribe to the channel, give the podcast five a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, let's go Redbirds, and we will see you later. Be good, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.